the baseball. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. Eagles fans everywhere, this is for you. Now entering the game for Philly Press Box Radio, Bill Furman and Jim Chet Chesko. It's Wednesday, June 5th, 2019. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. And hey, Chet, the Phil's first place lead is shrunk to .5 games pending today's outcome. They've lost five of their last six, again, pending today's outcome, where they are ahead in the ninth inning. They got swept by the Dodgers. The Odubel Herrera situation is still lingering. Now Andrew McCutcheon is lost for the season. It gives you a little bit of feeling that the wheels are falling off for the Phil's. Hard to believe on our show last week, Bill, we mentioned a few times that they had been playing pretty well and that at the time they were on pace for 96 wins. Boy, things have certainly changed in a week. Nice win last night. We'll see if they hang on today. But all in all, a rough West Coast trip. The McCutcheon injury, more questions about the pitching staff and about Gabe Kapler. But, hey, there's still exactly 100 games left in the season, so we'll see where they go from here. Well, and we we certainly hope it's up, but uh... – Boy, it's been it's been a rough go, and uh, you know that Dodger series was not a good measuring stick if you want to use it for one. No, the Dodgers look to be the class of the National League, and they certainly look better than the Phillies. That's for sure. Uh, the Phillies just did not match up to them at all. But you know what, Bill? Jay Bruce and Adam Hazley are here to rescue the Phillies. Is that what it is? Hey, Chad, I have to laugh because I know you're, uh, you're, you've got a little man crush going already on Bruce. Uh, a <laughs> man crush. You know, I, I thought it was funny because I actually saw a post this afternoon after Jay Bruce hit his third home run, yep. uh, third home run in a game and a half, and uh, he was actually – they actually had a picture of him and in the comments had a picture of Babe Ruth. <laughs> well, you know, three three homers in two games. He played a little Monday night, too, but three homers over the last two games. That ain't bad. And as our buddy Bob Vitrone Boot pointed out, Matt Stairs only had two home runs in 2008. And everybody thinks he's a legend. He had two homers with the Phillies in the regular season. Uh, it's all about timing. Yeah, that's true. He hit, one, he, hit an, he hit an important one later on, I know. Yes, he did. Absolutely. Well, uh, we've got great guests tonight in the newly named Inquired.com's Ed Barkowitz. He'll talk all things Philly sports. We have a first-time guest that I'm really excited about, Jed, and Tony Paris, the producer of the new documentary, The Resurgence of the Big Five. And Fred Hugo will be back with us uh, tonight as well. Yeah, and we were going to have Amy Schumer on the show as well, but she canceled because she heard one of the guests said derogatory things about her. Well, I'm glad she's not on because I would probably have to pass those same derogatory remarks onto her directly. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that another time. I don't get that with you and these Hollywood people. I don't know. That's a whole other thing. That is a whole other thing. Hey, uh, speaking of Hollywood, what'd you think of uh, Gabe Hollywood Kapler's move the other day of starting his relief pitcher and uh, bringing well, a combination of whatever they are, Irvin and. Uh, and Velasquez in the same game and, uh, and and wasting those guys. I didn't have as much of a problem with it as you did. They were strapped for starters that day. I know you, they could have just started Cole Irvin, but some teams are doing it now. Tampa Bay has been winning with it. It's not that big a deal, but, you know, we'll talk about that. Let's, let's get our guest on and talk to him, okay? Well, let's do it. Let's welcome Ed Barkowitz from the newly named – Inquired.com. Back to Philly Press Box Radio. Welcome back, Ed. What's happening, fellas? How you doing? Good. All right. Hey, Ed, that was Bill. This is Chet. And before we talk sports, uh, as Bill mentioned, uh, the whole thing with the Inquirer Daily News, we started promoting your visit last week saying Philly.com's Ed Barkowitz. Then the next morning, I think it was, I see that it's not Philly.com <laughs> anymore. Who the heck do you work for, Ed, and what's going on? I don't know. I'm just hoping the check tomorrow clears. <laughs> <laughs> That's the important thing. <laughs> well, absolutely. You know, one of the uh, 
one of the things that the 21st century has taught us is branding. And uh, there, there's some confusion as to what is the Daily News, what is the Inquirer, what is Philly.com. And so, you know, people who know more about this stuff than I say, you know what, let's put our stamp on it. Let's make it Inquirer.com um, and remove all the confusion. So it, it, I won't say that, you know, that there's no confusion. There surely is, but, you know, especially for, you know, daily news readers. Uh, but the point is, as we go forward, uh, we're going to be Inquirer.com, and, you know, it's going to take some getting used to, some growing pains, and that kind of thing. But it's a branding thing. All right, no problem. Hey, I was hoping the Phillies game would have been over for all of us at this point, but they're still battling in the ninth inning, trying to hang on to a lead. Uh, that being the case, not a great West Coast trip for the Phillies. Last week they were on pace for 96 wins, Ed. Right now it's a little lower than that because they had a rough trip. What do you make of this team at this point? A little concern. Uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez, uh, another injury appeared, uh, you know, in the top of the uh, – you know what, I got a half an eye on it, so it would have been maybe the bottom of the eighth. He had to leave the yeah. game. Um, so you, you're seeing you're seeing a lot of injuries for this club. And, you know, you get a little nervous because, uh, you know, this is hitting season, as, as Chuck, Charlie Manuel would say. And, you know, if, you're, if, you're, if your bullpens especially is suspect, well, that, that, that's a little troublesome. Absolutely. Well, Ed, as we know, the Phils lost Andrew McCutcheon the other night for the season. How big an impact is that to this team and and especially to the clubhouse? That, that's I think that's where the there the the one of the problems or one of the concerns is in the clubhouse. Um, you know, now you're you're talking about a guy who's you know former MVP who played in the postseason that kind of thing. Um, that that he'll be missed there. Uh, but you know, they bring in Jay Bruce. Uh, you know, it, they, it, it's funny. We were, I was looking at the uh, lineup that they had, the out, the starting outfield. That if you would have told me that at the end of October last year, that, that today's starting outfield would have been Jay Bruce, Adam Hazley, and Bryce Harper, I'd be like, good lord, you know, what happened to everybody? So you know, they they've used, boy, they've had to use a half a dozen to ten ten guys, everybody from Roman Quinn to Phil Goslin, and you know those types, and you know we're we're, we're still technically in spring. Uh, summer hasn't hit us yet. So, the, the, you know, there's a lot of attrition that, that's happening there. You're going to, you know, Bryce Harper's making a lot of money. Uh, he might need to carry this team for a little while, especially uh, with, with McCutcheon going down. Um, you know, this is this is why Bryce Harper is Bryce Harper. And I'd like to see him get on a real run and maybe, you know, carry this team. As you said, the uh, the West Coast trip has been, a, has been a horror. So getting a win today would be important. Now, the Jay Bruce edition certainly paying dividends already. Six RBI in the Tuesday night game, a couple of homers, another home run today, Wednesday afternoon. And Adam Hazley, the rookie, up out of necessity, gets a big hit today. His first major league hit drives mm-hmm. in the go-ahead run. Um, I know these are not permanent outfielders, I don't think, at least in the case of Hazley. Do you see them making more moves now in the next few weeks? Well, I think that, that it uh, – yeah, I do. I think that, that because it's there, I mean, you know, you, it, it, it's there for the taking. You know, they came into the day a half a game up in the uh, division. You know, Arietta didn't give them much. You know, he, he kind of got knocked around a little bit today. Um, so, you know, they need other pieces. And I, I think that, that, yes, I do see them making some more moves. You know, the Bruce thing worked out uh, because that price would have been a lot higher, you know, before McCutcheon got hurt, you know, to yep. add an outfielder. So, so mm-hmm. the um, – uh, the idea that that you know that they still have some pieces that that it's it's really on whether Matt Quintac is ready to make a run uh, because it's there. The division is not as good, frankly, as as I thought it was going to be in you know in the spring. Um, so you know the division is there for the taking. You know if they want to make some moves and take on some salary, um, you know I, I would certainly think that that's what they would think. Well, Ed, you mentioned Jake Arrieta, and that's exactly who I was going to ask you about. Uh, what, what's your take on Arietta? He he uh, he just seems to kind of be inconsistent. He eats innings to some degree, as much as innings get eaten these days. Um, but an ERA up around four, um, five hundred record. I mean, what is he? The, is he what we thought he was going to be? Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, he, and he feels labor. He feels like he's laboring. That they, you know that he's not, he, he doesn't have that that command 
that we saw in Chicago, certainly, and, and you know, some glimpses of it last year. Uh, it, it just seems like he's laboring a little bit. And, uh, you know, frankly, I'm not around him as much to know if, if why that is. You know, it, it just seems like, you know, he's just not 100% comfortable. And um, and that's, that, that's a problem because he's a number two, or at least – at least a number two. Uh, certainly on this team, you know, Nola hasn't been what Nola was last year either. I mean, he's been okay. he's been good, but um, you know, we're getting Arietta, and that's why I think you know you got to if if the bullpen is not going to be a strength, and I don't know that it is with all these injuries. Um, to me, one of the priorities would be get get a good starter. Well, they drafted some pitchers the other night, but the first pick, number fourteen overall, was a shortstop. What do you know, Ed, about? Uh... What's his name? Uh, Bryson Stott. What do you know about him? I know he, I know he's from Vegas, so <laughs> that's all right with me, you know. <laughs> uh, his his uh, what, what, uh, our guy Matt Preen wrote about him the other day that his mom coached Bryce Harper's sister in cheerleading, so he has a connection with the Harper family. You know, Bryce Harper grew up out there, and uh, they've trained together. He certainly knows Harper. I don't know that you know he, he can dial him up on the phone, but he might be able to now. And so, you know, he's he's a uh, he's a big kid, six three, two hundred. Uh, you know, he's a middle, he's a shortstop. He's playing shortstop. They think he could he could stay as a shortstop. Um, you know, you have Segura until I think twenty twenty three. So, you know, maybe does he can he play third base? You know, is Kingery going to play some more outfield? You know, he's certainly a couple years away. Um, but you know, he's he's he led the uh, led led the college uh, led the NCAA two years ago in doubles, so he's got some pop in his bat. Um, played in the Cape Cod League, you know, he was invited there after his freshman year, so he's, he's got some pop. He's a big kid, 6'3", like I said, 6'3", 200, so you know, they've done well, frankly, with their first picks the last few years, and I, I think the analytics have, have said that, you know, it's if you're going to go for a position player, go for a college position. If you're going for a college player, go for a position player out of college. And, you know, you see Alec Bohm and you see uh, Hazley today. Um, but, you know, they've had a little bit more success with that. Well, Ed, speaking of analytics, that's, again, you're, you're leading me right into where I was going to go. Uh, what do you make of this analytics, and what do you make of starting a reliever? Uh, I, I'm an old dinosaur uh, I, I have no time for it myself, but you're around it more. What do you think of it? Well, you know, it's murder on the gamblers because it's hard to it's hard to make a bet on the Tampa Bay Rays when you you don't know how much the guy's going to pitch. He's going to pitch an inning, and then you know what do you have after that? So that that's that's my initial reaction. But you know, everything changes, and, and you know the, the Rays are in the middle of the. Uh, of that division, they're, they're a few games back of the Yankees. They're ahead of the Red Sox, you know, and they're they're the team that kind of has has been the leader in this whole opener thing. I, I'm sort of with you um, that you know it, it, it's different and it's taken some getting used to, and and you know, frankly, I, I have a little more trouble with with the shift and all the shifting that's done because you know for for every five outs it saves if it gives up two hits. Um, that that to me weighs on it's it's less about an analytics and more about how it weighs on the pitcher of, of what you know what can he count on from his defense um, that that's the only that, that's the biggest issue, bigger issue I have now the, the the numbers back it up and all this other business but you know one of the things that the numbers can't tell me is was a guy out late last night is his wife mad at him you know all these things that that go into you know being human beings that can't be tracked by numbers. I, I, I think there, there's certainly a place for it, but, you know, you lean on a, what, what, what do they say about numbers? It's, it's either like a light post or it's uh, or it's something that a drunk leans on. So you have to be careful. <laughs> hey, yeah, uh, we may, we may get to the Eagles. We may not, but I do want to mention it was one year ago today that Delaware park was the first place outside of Nevada to have legal sports betting. You wrote about it. There's betting in Delaware, Jersey, and Pennsylvania now. So one year in, how's it going? You know, Pennsylvania is is behind. Uh, they 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 uh, they're really kind of they just uh, Sugar House just started online betting. I mean, they, they you know there's a few uh, sports books in Philadelphia, and there's a few outside of the Philadelphia, uh, uh, you know, at Valley Forge and, and in Oaks, you know, in the suburbs. Uh, but the problem is Pennsylvania does not have a reliable online. Uh, um, sports betting going. Uh, Sugar House has an Android or laptop computer, but they don't have Apple. Uh, 
so without Apple sports betting, you're missing a lot of action. One of the things that you know has been said is that Apple is a little unsure of getting into the sports betting game of Pennsylvania because of the uncertainty of the Wire Act. Now we're getting a little deeper down the wormhole than, than maybe we want to go, but but until Pennsylvania and Apple can get on board with one another, uh, New Jersey is going to continue to dominate uh, that scene. If, frankly, if you ask me, 80% last uh, last month, uh, 80% of the revenue, the, the the money that sports bet of, of sports betting money in New Jersey, 80% was done uh, online, and that's obviously that number is not going to go down. Interesting. Well, Ed, uh, I saw. Speaking of gambling, I saw a article with Pete Rose uh, that was just the other day, and and Pete was talking about now legalized gambling in baseball, which obviously has kept him out of the Hall of Fame. Um, I didn't know until I read in this article, so I'll assume it's it's true uh, that now twenty minutes, fifteen twenty minutes before games, all lineups are emailed to the casino to set the book lines for the game. Um, I, I didn't know that. And uh, does that make you feel any different about Pete Rose and Pete Rose gambling into baseball? Uh, in some ways it does. Yeah. In some ways it does. The only problem, and I have been, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I write about sports betting. I, I sort of followed. I'm not very good at it. Let me say that. But um, I, I, I've always been kind of against Pete Rose because that's frankly the one thing you cannot do if you're a professional athlete. You cannot bet on your on your own sport. I mean, you can't. You just undermine everything. So, his. I understand where he's saying that the progression of it is 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 such that now they're emailing and and. Frankly, they're emailing the lineups to the league, and then the league sifts them out and gives them to the to the casinos. It's it's just kind of a nuanced thing, uh, or to MGM, I believe it is, and that is to ensure you know so that it's it's all about pitching. Frankly, you know whether Bryce Harper is in right field, we'll move the line a little bit, but if you know if Vince Velasquez is starting versus uh, Clayton Kershaw, well, you know you you get what I'm saying. If the, the starting pitcher is changed, that that adjust the line much more. And, you know, they, they want to try to uh, uh, make sure that the information out there is, is accurate, first of all. But the minute that baseball um, takes what, what's called an integrity fee or, you know, a tax, you know, where they, where they get a piece of the action. Baseball wants it. Football, uh, basketball wants it. Hockey wants it. But the minute that they start, especially hockey, the minute that they take the first dollar – I don't want to hear this upper body, lower body injury. You better be straightforward with with your injury report. If Joel Embiid texts Brett Brown at 7 o'clock in the morning of a playoff game saying he has a stomach issue, well, then if you're taking money on on sports betting, then Brett Brown needs to, needs to tell that to the league, and that information needs to get out as soon as possible. And that's, that's a slippery slope that I hope that the leagues recognize they're getting into if they take money uh, – on sport, if they tax the uh, sports books and, and get involved with getting money directly off of it. Well, regarding lines and odds and all that stuff, the Eagles' Super Bowl odds right now are 14 to one, third best in the NFC and fifth or sixth best overall. That sound about right, Ed? And should I get my money out? Yeah, you know it's not going to go down. I mean, they, you know they they have a good schedule. I mean, as long as the quarterback is okay, which is a dicey proposition for sure. Um, yeah, they're, they're that 14 to one. That's interesting to me, especially around here. Uh, the yeah. the idea, and you know, I mean, these let's let's face it, the, the sports books are in business to make money. Um, there's something called regional odds. So your the Giants and Jets and Eagles lines are going to be a little skewed in New Jersey and Pennsylvania, as opposed to you know maybe in, in Nevada or West Virginia or or who else is Tennessee. You know, they're going to skew the odds because they know people are more likely here to bet on those teams. That's what, you know, it's the term for regional odds. So yeah, 14 to one. I'm okay with that. Okay. With that. You might be able to get 16 to one out in Nevada, but that's, you know, if you're only betting $50, that doesn't matter. But if you're betting 50 grand, well, it does. <laughs> hey, Ed, I want to ask you something. Uh, after we let you go to enjoy the rest of your evening, by the way, the Phillies won today, seven to five. They did hang on. Uh, after you're uh, done with us, Bill and I will be talking to the filmmaker behind a new documentary about the big five. So do you have any favorite memories about the Big Five, Ed? Oh, brother. 
one of the one of the heart stopping games. One of my favorite, and it might be one of the first games I went to. LaSalle beat, um, and I, in fact, I had looked this up for something else. And uh, LaSalle beat Temple, eighty to seventy nine in double overtime. Uh, Terrence Stansbury hit a uh, had his shot blocked with one second left at the end of regulation and then hit a 30-footer at the end of the first overtime to force the second overtime. The plester was mayhem. I mean, it was just – it was it was like Mardi Gras in there without the alcohol. It was just wild. And I was 13 years old at that point. So, you know, it was a real you – know, it was just a buzz at the place. And, you know, they, I, I, I've i never been to Cameron. That, that's on my bucket list. But, boy, I can't imagine any place that is just – just feels, even, if, you know, before the warm-ups, just feels – like a cathedral, like the Palestra does. I, I would encourage anyone who has never been to the Palestra, if you can get there, go there. And you know what? What's also fun there? The high school games, when when they get the when, when Roman is playing the prep or you know the shower, anybody else, uh, you know, if if you can get there during one of those, it's just wild. It's just, it's like, it, I don't know that there's a. a I, I haven't been to like I say Cameron, you know, with the crazies. But the thing with that is they're all rooting for Duke. At the Palestra, you'll have if there's a double header, if you have you know two teams, you'll have equal sides rooting for for the other, and, and it's just that that to me is my favorite thing about the Big Five that that there are just so many different ways to to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely agree. Well, Tony Paris will be joining us here in just a few minutes, Ed. We certainly uh, appreciate you joining us tonight, taking the time, and it went fast. Maybe we can get to do it again soon. Yeah, maybe I'll have a better answer for why we're inquired.com. <laughs> there you go. Hey, or or more importantly, that the check came. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Now I'm just, just have a little fun. All right, fellas, you know how to get me. If you need me again, be well. All Thank right, you. Ed. Thanks. Later. Taking a break from the sports talk to say hello to our friend Chris Gaskell from the Irish Rover Station House. Hey, Chris. Chris, I got to tell you, I'm a little sad. I just realized I'm going to be out of the area on the 16th, Father's Day, which means I'm going to miss out on a great event that happens every year at the Irish Rover. Tell everybody what I'm talking about. That's such a bummer. We are having our annual Father's Day car show. What better way to spend Father's Day than at the Irish Rover with a cold beer, a burger, and some really cool cars to look at. Registration's only 20 bucks. We'll have food, drink, music, raffle prizes, 50-50, plaques and trophies for all of our winners. And all of the proceeds benefit the Bucks County Community Foundation. It's a local organization that gives back to all of the families in the area. I think you told me you had about 190 cars there last year. I was there, and it is loads of fun. The Irish Rover is on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorn. Check the website, irishroverstationhouse.com. A little, uh, a little Springsteen, huh, Chad? Hey, you know what, Bill? That song, Pink Cadillac, was recorded by Bruce in early 1984 and was the B-side of the hit single Dancing in the Dark, which was the first single from the Boss's Born in the USA album, which just so happened to have come out exactly 35 years ago yesterday. Since its release, it sold more than 30 million copies. Not bad. Not bad at all. Not bad at all. Hey, Chet, I wanted to throw one little tidbit out at you while we're waiting on Tony. Um I got chastised last week for those pedestrian numbers of Reese Hoskins. Remember? Yeah. Oh, I remember, yes. Yeah. By you and your a couple of your friends yep. uh, chastised yep. me for my use of the word pedestrian. Well, here's a pedestrian Reese Hoskins stat for you, Chet. Oh, boy. In games that the Phillies are losing, when they're behind, Reese Hoskins, Chet, is hitting 213. 213, pedestrian, my friend. 16, <laughs> 16 for 75 with four home runs and nine RBIs and 28 strikeouts. So I just wanted to share that. I did a little homework because I wanted to see if my mind was really working along with my eyes, and you know, if I was thinking what my eyes were saying. And then I came across that stat, and I thought, well, you know what? Maybe that's why I think he's pedestrian, because he keeps making outs with guys in scoring position or behind in the in the games. 
And he certainly hasn't done much since we talked last week. So uh, maybe you jinxed him, Bill. Do you think that's what it is? It's all your fault, yes. When in doubt, I'm blaming you. Okay. Well, hey, Chet, we need to find Tony because he is not here. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to cut off here for just a minute. I'm going to call him. Sounds like a good idea. You call Tony. And uh, I'm going to tell you, what Tony has done is put together this documentary about the Big Five. It's called The Resurgence of the Big Five. I know it was screened a few months back. A lot of the Big Five alums got to see it and raved about it. And it's going to be on NBC Sports Philly Plus next Tuesday and the following Tuesday. It's a two-part thing. And I saw a little three- or three-and-a-half-minute promo for it. It looks like he interviewed quite a lot of uh, Big Five greats about it, from you know Lionel Simmons to a bunch of the coaches. So it's going to be good. I can't wait to see it. It'll be on next Tuesday, as I said, on NBC Sports Philly Plus. And uh, we will be watching that for sure. And while you try to get a hold of Tony, I'm going to tell you the Phillies have won two in a row now after that five-game losing streak, so they will still be in first place, at least for another day or two. I believe they're up a full game right now. I'm not sure if Atlanta played this afternoon or if the Braves are playing tonight, but uh, if the the Braves haven't played yet, the Phillies are up by one full game. So go Phils, and yet Jay Bruce and even Adam Hazley have made some nice contributions right away. Jay Bruce with three homers in the last two games, and Adam Hastley, who was 0-6 with a walk before his at-bat in the seventh or eighth inning today, delivered a big RBI double that put the Phils ahead 6-5. They hung on and won the game 7-5. So two in a row for the new-look Phils. And you're still trying to get a hold of Tony Paris, I do believe. So... Um, we Tony, is, Jet, Tony is coming on in just one second, rounded him up, and he was just a little tied up. So Very we will have him in have, just a second. And we have Fred Hugo joining us later to talk a little Sixers and NBA Finals. So lots to get to in our final 33 minutes of our extravaganza this evening, Bill. Yep. Well, hey, Jet, you know, I said this several times on the show before, my first job in my life was working as an usher at the Palestra in 1972-73-ish. I was just a kid. Uh, that's where my love of basketball and sports started. And our guest, as we said, Tony Paris is bringing all this back to life with his documentary, uh, Resurgence of the Big Five. And uh, I'm really excited about talking to him about that. And uh, it's gonna, I, I know he's going to throw a lot, around a lot of names, going to bring back a lot of memories. Oh, absolutely, and my my Big Five experience goes all the way back to the late 60s when I was rooting for LaSalle because, as I told you before, Stan Ladarczyk played for them, and they had those great teams with Larry Cannon and Bernie Williams and those guys, so I'm pretty old too, Bill. We go way back. Yeah, yeah, and I, I remember those teams too. Just uh, I didn't I didn't work there at the time, but I can remember with uh, with my dad watching those, those teams, and uh, he was uh, – my my dad was a big Matt Gukas, Clifford Anderson guy, Johnny Baum, Clarence Brookins at Temple, and as you said, Larry Cannon and that bunch at LaSalle. Uh, that was great. So let's I'm excited to, to talk to Tony about it. And Tony is with us, so let's welcome the producer himself of Resurgence of the Big Five, Tony Paris, to the show. Tony, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. How you doing? Doing great. That's good. Doing That's good. great. Thanks for having me Tony. today. Appreciate it. Tony, you talked to Bill already. This is Chet, and let's get started. I believe you're originally from New York, though you've been a Philly guy since the early 90s. So i got to ask yes. you, what made you decide to do a film about the Big Five? Well, you know, I've done several films uh, about the Philadelphia area already. We did the Hangather story. We did Chocolate Thunder with the Sixers, and we did the Baker League story. So, um, you know, just being around these guys and – going to basketball tournaments, going to basketball games at the Palestra. You know, I just heard all the stories, you know, about the, the, the Big Five games, about, you know, some of the great players and the, the great coaches that have coached in the Big Five, you know, and it was just a, a story that had to be told. It just, just had to be told. It's just some of the stories are just phenomenal. I just love them. love them. Well, Tony, as you as you go back into your documentary, how far back do you try to cover it and why we were uh... – Waiting on you for a minute, Chet and I were talking about. I, I, my first job ever was as an usher at the Palestra around 1972, wow. 73. Mike wow. Bantam, uh Tom Inglesby, 
the the yeah. great Penn teams uh, at that time. Mm-hmm. And Chet goes a little bit further back, uh, even into the late '60s. So, uh, wow. how far do you go back in your documentary? Wow, that that's amazing. That I gotta congratulate you guys, man. That that's truly amazing. Because we're old. Man, that's great. <laughs> yeah, we're old. <laughs> But we we go back as far as uh, the '60s and '70s, but we we basically touch we touch on the '60s and '70s period with uh, with Kenny Durrett and, and uh, uh, Larry Cannon and those guys. So we show some some clips of those guys. But the the, the meat of the story is based on the '80s and the '90s, and and even some of the play, current players today, uh, even the leading up to the 2000s with Villanova winning you know, two championships in three years. So it really covers that area, that period when Lionel Simmons, Mark Macon, Tim Perry, Tim Legler, uh, uh, those guys, when they were playing, you know, what the big fives was like during that time. It, it, was, it was some phenomenal games that they played back then. And, Tony, I watched that three-minute promo for the film. It looks like you interviewed mm-hmm. quite a few big five legends, both players and coaches. Yeah. Yeah, we did. We did. I mean, Fran was is phenomenal, and you know Phil Martelli, he's another phenomenal guy. I mean, they they all had great stories to tell, and that was that's the thing about these these, these documentaries, especially the Big Five. Everybody has a story to tell, and and this documentary, even though it's a two part series, it 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 still you know doesn't can't tell all of the stories that ever gone in the Big Five, and there's more to tell, you know, because so much has just happened, you know what I mean? You know, even with uh, Fran, Fran Dunphy stepping down this year, and Aaron McKee is taking over, you know what I mean? We have a little bit of that footage that's in the film as well. You know, uh, St. Joe's with Phil Martelli when he won, he won two uh, Atlantic 10 Conference titles in 2014 and 2016. We even talk about that. You know, Jameer Nelson, he had a great career at St. Joe's. You know, uh, he and, and Lynn Greer had a, a phenomenal battle back in, when was that, uh, 2000, 2001, in the Big Five game. They, they played like a double overtime game. It's, it, was, it was crazy. It was, it was awesome basketball, awesome. Well, you know, the thing that uh, I, I remember as a, a high schooler kind of and, and a little mm-hmm. past high school, there were a lot of guys – all of a sudden, it started leaving the city. You know, Andre McCarter mm-hmm. went out to UCLA. Gene Banks went to Duke. Uh, Clarence yeah. Tillman went to uh, Kentucky. Mo Howard went to Maryland. And, and you know, mm-hmm. it looked like we were losing the cream of the crop. But the big five never wavered. They kept putting out good teams, good teams, good teams, all the way through the yeah. era that you're talking about. That's right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's funny because it, it just shows you how much talent is in the city of Philadelphia. It's so much talent. There's so many great uh, players that come out of the city of Philadelphia that the rest of the world needs to know about. And that's why we need to get this film on a national national scale so everyone can understand, you know, the, the phenomenal talent and the phenomenal coaches that's come out of the Big Five. You know, people, people don't remember, you know, Jack Ramsey coached at St. Joe's, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Chuck Daly coached at UPenn. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. <laughs> These are great NBA coaches. You know, they came out of the Big Five. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, Jay Wright was an assistant coach for uh, Massimino. Was that '85? Yeah. And, and yes. look, look what he's yep. done now. Look, look what he's done now. The history of the Big Five is some of the most outstanding history in NCAA college basketball history. You never find stories like this in a city like Philadelphia, ever. It's just, it's, it's, it's just fabulous. It's awesome. Well, Tony, in, in preparing for your appearance with us, uh, I looked online the other day, and I found a written version of an interview that you did with Urban Radio Nation several months ago, and they asked yeah. you for your all-time Big Five starting five. Do you remember your answer? Uh, I don't remember, but I, I think I can come close. Uh, Let's see. I got the names. Go ahead. Simmons. Yeah, mm-hmm. Lionel Simmons is definitely at the top of the list. Uh, Jameer Nelson, um, definitely at the top of the list. Mark Macon yep. is another guy. Um, who else did I pick? Was it Tim Perry? Tim Perry and Kyle Lowry. Mm-hmm. Those were your five. I think, you need a center, but I think you need a yep. center, but that's not a, not a bad yeah, five yeah, right yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great big, that's a great big five team right there. That's great. That team right there. Oh, I put them up against anybody. I put them up against the Dukes and, and the Kentuckys and North Carolinas any day. 
that big fox. Hey, hey yeah. Tony, I have to tell you, if you uh, if you go back and and do another uh, uh, a round two of this, and you go yeah. back and talk about the opponents, one of the greatest games I ever saw at the Palestra, Palestra mm-hmm. was when Adrian Dantley and the Irish came to town to play LaSalle. Wow. And it was a madhouse. Adrian Dantley, John Shoemate, and I believe, if my memory's right, Jim Crawford was the star of that LaSalle team at that time. Um, And LaSalle beat them. And uh, Mm. it was a Mm. madhouse at the Palestra that night. Really? Wow. I can imagine. Yes, sir. I can imagine. And all so, they, Tony, tell us about mm-hmm. the show now. It, it's going to be on next Tuesday, correct? Or, or give us the dates, give us the times, the network, the whole deal. Show us, tell us yeah, about so, it. Yeah, so the first show will be uh, June 11th, which is a Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. on NBC Sports Philadelphia. And that will be part one. And part two will air the following Tuesday, June 18th at 6.30 p.m. on uh, NBC Sports Philadelphia. Yeah, so they're both of our hour-long shows. Hour-long. And, and they're great, and they're great shows. I mean, we cover just about every – we even talk about Steve Black. Uh, yeah. Kareem, Kareem Towns. You remember Kareem Towns? Yeah. yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Donnie Carr, Sue Butler. You know, um, we even have an interview with Rasheed Wallace, you know, just speaking about what you were just talking about, how some players went didn't stay home. They played in the Big Five. They went to other schools. And Rasheed Wallace was one of those players because Villanova was highly recruiting him because Alvin Williams was going there and, and, and Jason Lawson was going there, and they were supposed to go together. And he said at the last minute he backed out when he got the call from North Carolina. So we could have had Rasheed Wallace as a big five player. Wow. All famous. Hey, Tony, you wow. mentioned some of the great coaches from, you know, Fran Duntry and Jay Wright, Chuck Daly, mm-hmm. and the list goes on and on, Rolly Massimino. Uh, what about Phil yeah. Martelli? What do you make of Phil taking an assistant coaching position with Juwan Howard at Michigan? I was shocked. I was shocked. But, you know, he, he deserves that and more. You know, he, he deserves more. That, he's in a great position, and he deserves a head coaching position. And, of course, he's an associated head coach at Michigan, which is great for him. But Phil Martelli is one of the greatest coaches in NCAA basketball history, one of the greatest. And, I, I mean, I, I felt bad for him that he was let go after 24, 25 years at St. Joe's. You know, he built the foundation there. He built a legacy, a tradition of, of basketball at St. Joe's. And he's not that far removed from winning an Atlantic 10 title, which was kind of baffling to me. You know, like he just won a title like two years ago. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, he had an injury-plagued season this year, you know, and they looked to go into another direction because they didn't didn't have a good record. But, you know, the way, you know, I was always confident in him and his staff that they would always bounce back, you know, because they always had a good recruiting class coming in, and they're great coaches. Phil, Phil Martelli is one of the greatest coaches in NCAA history. Well, Tony, speaking of coaches, how do you feel about the fact that there are three new head coaches in the Big Five this year, LaSalle, Temple, and uh, St. Joe? Is that good for Big Five basketball, do you think, that uh going to breathe some new life in? Well, it, it's good. It is good. You know, um, especially the guys that are coming in, you know, some, a couple of them played in the Big Five. You know, they, they coach in the Big Five, you know, so they understand – you know, the legacy and the tradition of Philadelphia basketball. And, you know, they can continue that tradition on, you know, especially like, you know, guys like Aaron McKee, you know, he played in the Big Five, he played in the NBA, he played for the Sixers, he coached in the Big Five, you know, he coached with Fran, Fran Dunphy. You know, he learned a lot from Fran Dunphy. He learned a lot from, from uh, uh, John Chaney, you know. Uh, he had some great mentors in his life to prepare him to go to this next stage. And I think he's going to do a great job, really, really great job. Hey, Tony, I have one final question. You mentioned the fact that you uh, also did a documentary on the great Daryl Dawkins, Chocolate Thunder. I'd love to see that one. Where could I find that? Where could I find it? Yeah, it's going to be online soon. Uh, We're working out the details with uh, a couple of uh, people now. So once that gets done, I'll let you know. We're working out the details. It'll be online soon, yeah. Awesome. Mm -hmm. All right. And, And you know what? Check check on demand too because it could still be on demand on NBC uh, Sports. 
could okay. be on demand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. So tell us again, resurgence of the Big Five. Um, yeah. Time, time, date, yeah. um, network right. again. Give us the final right. call. Resurgence of the Big Five will air Tuesday, June 11th at 6.30 p.m. on NBC Sports Philadelphia, Part 1, and Part 2 will be the following week, Tuesday, June 18th at 6.30 p.m. on NBC Sports Philadelphia. It's going to be a great show. Fantastic. I can't wait. Yep. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see myself sitting down on the corner of that bench where we <laughs> used to be able to go down after we worked as that usher back as a kid. Right, and, uh, right. I cannot oh, wait for it. Looking oh, looking really forward to it, Tony. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Tony. Yep. All right. Appreciate you joining us. Thank you. Take care. Appreciate you guys. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you. Hey, Chet, did you know that 56% of Americans have no idea how much they'll need to retire? If that sounds like you, you need to talk to Dave Lavoy from Allstate and Westchester, PA. Yeah, very true, Bill. The same person you count on to help protect you can also help you set a reasonable retirement goal, then show you the right financial solutions to help get you there. A good plan and a good life starts with someone you trust. Call Allstate agent Dave Lavoy in Westchester, 610-430-0700, and start planning for your retirement today. That's right, Dave Lavoy at Allstate, 610-430-0700, 610-430-0700. And, hey, Bill, I need to mention that this guy celebrated birthday number 80 on Monday, and he's still touring, the front man of Mata Hoople and a great solo artist as well. That would be Mr. Ian Hunter. You know, Ted, it's funny that you mentioned Monta Hoople because one of yep. my old high school buddies posted something the other day about the birthday, and I and I even commented on there. Now, now that's a blast from the past, right there. Yeah, love that band, love that singer. I saw him in Wildwood, believe it or not, in 1980. Ian Hunter, and he was great then, and he was uh, just in the area about a month ago, and I heard he was great still. Awesome. All right. Hey, Chet, the NBA draft is June 20th, so it's time to talk Sixers with our good friend Fred Hugo. Fred, welcome back. Let's talk hoops. What's up, guys? Doing hey, good. Fred. I'm pumped hey, Fred, up for that Big Five. I, I'm going to get educated on the oh, Big yeah, Five. I only, I only grew up in the, the Kerry Kittles era. I know, you young punk. <laughs> uh, Fred, <laughs> as the Sixers... As the Sixers are bringing in a bunch of potential draft picks for look-sees, workouts, including former Purdue guard Carson Edwards, by the way, they also announced Tuesday that they would be parting ways with the heads of their medical staff, their athletic care department heads, whatever they call them. What do you make of that? I thank God. I mean, how long have we been calling? We've been calling for this since Colangelo. Like, what, what, what are they doing? Because no matter exactly. how many games these players sit or play, they're still hurt. So it's not really – or sick. So it's not really I, – I, you can't fully blame it on them because it is what it is. But, I, I mean, I, I, they were supposed to be this, like, world-renowned staff, and it, it's just not – besides sitting out players for the first year to get them healthy, which anyone can give that advice, they haven't really done much, I don't think. Hmm. Well, Fred, the draft, as we said, coming up, uh, 24th, 33rd, 34th, 42nd, and 54th picks in the draft. Um, Where do you see this going? Who do you see at 24? Is it anybody's guess? And what do you make of these four second-round picks again? They're not going to take all those picks. They're probably going to trade them for more picks next year, at least the second-rounders, some of them anyway. Um, I would like to see them use the first three. They need to uh, to develop. If you're going to sign Harris and Butler or another max player to to fill that cap spot, you're going to have to to fill the other roster spots with low, you know, salary. You're going to have to hit on some picks. So I would like to see them add some shooting and um, and some depth at center. You know, because outside of Embiid, the next guy that comes in, just every all of them are defensive liabilities. So. Um, I would like to see – I like the Tyler Hero guy, but you, you really don't know with the NBA. It, it's a crapshoot, but hopefully they, they got their, their – well, any draft really, not just the NBA, but hopefully they, they know who they like and they can get another pick like Landry Shamit, except this time we'll, we'll keep them and not trade them. Hmm. I like Carson Edwards. He can shoot, but he's only six one. But if he's there at 24, I would be tempted. 
But enough about that. I got to ask you about Ben Simmons. What is your confidence level in Ben coming back for a third NBA season with some sort of an outside shot? Ah, uh, great question. I don't, I don't really care for the the deep outside shot. I want to see him hit his free throws. Um, typically, if, if you look at like player, young players, that third, fourth year, that's when they make the jump. You can you can pick any player. You can pick Kobe. You can pick Giannis. You can pick Carl Malone. You can go any 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 player that becomes. It's normally that you know that third, fourth year. So I'm looking to see the free throw percentage improve because that's going to tell me that the shot can improve in the future. If if he has a shot, great. I at least want to see him attempting it. Don't get me wrong. But if the free throw percentage is still at 50, 55%, then I'm going to, going to get concerned that, that he can't be a point guard in this league. Well, and I mean, how much time do you want to give him? He's still 22 years old, I guess. And that's where I think we really lose sight of this kid. And uh, correct, I don't know what the expectations are. Uh, they're out the roof, and he's good. So maybe they should be. But uh, how much time are you going to give Ben Simmons? I, you got to. We're impatient because of this whole process. We're not. We're not looking at this realistically. Like you said, he's 22. He's he's going into his third year. He's not that far off. He's an All Star in his second year. Rookie of the year his first year. So I'm I'm patient with it as far as if I see improvement every year. So. Um, if, if I'm going to get impatient, like I said, if, if I start to see him not attempt jumpers next year or the free throws have not improved, but how much time am I, if we get to the trade deadline next year and his free throws are at 50% and he's not shooting jumpers, like not even attempting them, um, then I would start to think about it, but still Giannis, let's use him as an example. His third year, he was averaging 10 points a game attempting you know, six shots, not even shooting outside the paint. Look at him now in year five, six. I'm not saying he's going to beat Giannis, but that's that's what we're looking at. You know, Kobe, his first two years was not even a blip on the radar. His third year, he was like, eh. Like, so if you compare it to them or any star, really, he's ahead of the game. So that that's kind of where I'm at. All right, Fred, the Sixers' big-name free agents, of course, Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, and to a lesser extent, J.J. Redick. I know you want Butler back. Do you want the other two guys back, and do you think they'll bring all three back or not? Yeah, I would like to run it back with all of them just for the fact that you can't keep creating a new team every year. You watch the Rockets do that. The Warriors, they build a team, they have a core, and they build on it. You know, we're impatient, but we need to – have one team, and and you're not going to win a championship without a team. It has to be a team. So you can't come back with all new guys every year, think they're just going to plug in and, and win a championship. It's just not going to happen. So I want Butler back. I would like Harris and Reddick back. I don't know how that's going to work contract-wise, but definitely Reddick or Harris, and I would prefer Harris just because he's younger. And we, can, we would lock them up. You'd have your four players you're locked into – and it's either going to work or it's not, or it's going to not at that point, you know. Well, Fred, what's your final take on the whole Joel Embiid and uh, saga? And uh, you know, he's hurt, he's not hurt, he's sick, he's not sick. Um, made too much of it? Do you think? Uh, where where do you stand with all that? I, I I mean, he can't control being sick, and I understand that the timeliness of it was crazy. I don't like the way they handle the reporting of it, you know, they wait till five minutes before when he's not on the report or they put him on the report as if he's doubtful. And then he plays, you know, they, they don't help him any with the way the dramatics of it, but I mean, he definitely needs to be healthy. <laughs> Obviously if he's healthy game for, what is it? Game four or five game four, we win that and we're up three, one, there's a good chance we move on. Um, I, I think he needs to eat better, get himself healthy and I also think having Jimmy Butler around and the loss, you know, he, he looked devastated in that loss is going to help him grow because he's growing just like Simmons. But this, this next year and the following year, that these are now – I'm out of, you know, watching them grow. Now, in my opinion, it's time to critique, and they really got to hold their feet to the fire right in these coming next two years. All right, Fred, the NBA Finals are well underway, of course. They shift out west now for Game 3 tonight. The Warriors and Raptors even in a game apiece. 
Last week, I picked the Warriors in five. I may have shortchanged Toronto. What's your outlook for the series? You got a Kawhi, didn't you? Even though it was Siakam who, who showed up. I big. did. I, I, um, I, um, I thought if you put it like if you made me make a bet on it for like I don't know to lose my house or something, I would have to take the Warriors. <laughs> but uh, but same thing in the Sixers War or Raptors series. But I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Warriors in seven right now. I, but I'm rooting for the Raptors hard, and I think they can win. Hmm, okay. One final question for me, Fred. The, um, the Where they stand in the process, are you happy with the process at this point, um, or is it still ongoing? It's you got to complete – like you have to sign Butler and Harris. And then uh, I'm happy with Ben and Ben and Joe, if that's the question, as far as that goes. But they have to, you know, they have to lock in these players. You can't. It's not a revolving door. The the process wasn't to, you know, get a new free agent every year. It was to acquire assets to be able to make trades and then have cap room to have players want to come here. They knocked that out, kind of completed it last year as far as getting the players here. Now you have to lock them in. So. I'm, you know, it, it's kind of over at this point, I, I would say. You know, I trust the process as far – now you got to complete the process. We're, we're there. You have the cap space. You either keep these players or, or you don't, you know. All right. Sounds good. Chad, any more hoops for Fred? Just one tip. Uh, well, I hope ABC shows the uh, national anthem tonight because Metallica's James Hetfield and Kirk Hammett are singing the national anthem, and I want to see and hear that. <laughs> that's all. You think that's we'll, we'll you think it's a possibility? <laughs> I don't know. Do they show the anthem? I never see the beginning. Do they show the anthem anymore at these NBA finals? Um, I, I, have, I haven't does. noticed. Hockey yeah, does, I know, but I don't know about yeah. basketball. Well, I'll turn well, Fred, the TV on at 9 and see. Fred, let's do it again, and uh, don't forget to watch the documentary next Tuesday. That's going to be fun, and uh, let's see how this thing all plays out. All right, awesome. Thanks for having me. Talk to you soon. Uh, All right, Fred. Thanks. Hey, Chad, Philly Press Box Radio, celebrating our birthday, rolled out some new shirts. We're still selling them. We're down to darn near the end. Uh, Tell us about them, and we're, we're about ready to get some more. Yeah, they've been on sale for over a month now, since May 1st. These are Philly Press Box Radio t shirts, not the polo shirts that we sold, you know, a couple of years ago. These T-shirts are available in sizes medium through 2XL, the ones we still have left, and it is our red logo on the front with our sponsor's logos on the back. They are available in the colors red as well as in gray and in black. You can choose from regular cotton polyester material or you can get dry fit, 15 bucks for regular, $17 for dry fit. If you do need them shipped, in other words, if you don't live close to Bill or me, uh, we will ship them to you at $7 for one, add $10 if you want to buy two. And as Bill noted, we are actually running out of some of the styles and sizes. So message us, call us, text us, get a hold of us, and uh, let us know what you want, and we'll try to hook you up. That's right. All right, Jet, uh, just a reminder that we'll be having our Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Fame voting selection in a few weeks. We'll have our ballot ready for voting for uh, for a week It'll be our sixth class. We'll announce it on June the 26th, so it's always fun narrowing down the great list of Philly athletes. There's still some great ones on the, on that list to be put into our Hall of Fame. Yeah, and I have to study our list, our you know, list of who's in our Hall, because I can't remember the full list. I know some of the obvious ones, but some of the you know borderline guys, I don't know if they got in or not, so we're going to have to work on that uh, in the next uh, couple of weeks. I have that list, and I will send them to you. Super. You actually have the list, too, but that's all right. Hey, Chet, wanted to remind everybody, we're taking a week off next week, and for good reason, I might add. So who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio show the following week? Yeah, lots going on next week for both of us, a lot of traveling. So we will be taking a week off, our first in a long while, but, heck, we deserve it. We will be back, as you said, in two weeks. That will be Wednesday the 19th with a couple of great guests. It's NBA Draft Night Eve on the 19th, so who better to join us than one of our very favorite guests, longtime Sixers reporter, who you can catch often these days on 97.5 The Fanatic, the wonderful D. Lynham joining us. Plus, we'll be joined by the guy who owns the Philly Spectrum S, 
as it's known. We had him on last year, and there are some new things going on with him and his campaign. Andrew Kay joins us again. So D-Line and Andrew Kay. Plus, I believe we will run down our new Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Fame nominees for you to vote on. So another busy show on the 19th. Absolutely. And uh, and just happened to notice, Chet, that that D-Line got a hole-in-one recently. Recently, because I know she had one like three years ago, which we talked to her about, but she got another one. She is quite the golfer, I she guess. She must have got another one because she posted a picture of that hole-in-one plaque they send you when you get a hole-in-one just in the last couple of days. I remember getting a hole-in-one about 40 years ago. We went, I shot it right under the windmill, and it went in. It was nice. Yeah, yeah. You missed, <laughs> you missed the blade coming around the exactly. windmill. Exactly. You were there. You saw <laughs> You're a good man. Hey, Chad, let's give a shout-out to the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They've continued to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly sports teams and more. There are only 21 lines available, so your chances of winning are 1 in 21. Pretty good odds. Check out their Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC 118 Razroom. That's right, PPCC 118 Razroom on Facebook. And Chad, I have to tell you, right now they're running some fundraisers um, up uh, for some youngster up in State College, Pennsylvania, that one of our buddies, Keith Conlon, has headed up and uh, been running some things and all the money going to the charity for uh, one of Goon's friends that's. Um, uh, got some serious medical issues. So okay. trying to help out with that as well. All righty. All right. Parting shot for you, Mr. Chesco. I do not have one tonight. All right. Yeah, Bill, as you may recall, I was a big fan of a certain boxer known to many as the greatest. And HBO last month aired a two-part documentary called What's My Name, Muhammad Ali, from director Antoine Fuqua, who also directed films like Training Day and the boxing film Southpaw. The new Ali documentary is really good, very well done. There's no narrator. It's mostly Ali in his own words with a slew of never or rarely seen video, including Ali as a 12- or 13-year-old kid first learning to box, plus appearances on some long-forgotten 1960s and 70s talk shows, some great stuff from his early 70s training spot in Deer Lake near Reading, much, much more. If you are a fan of Muhammad Ali and have access to HBO or HBO Go or HBO Now or wherever else you can find it, check it out. What's my name, Muhammad Ali? Oh, interesting. I had not, I had not seen that. Uh, I, I'll have to check that out. As you know, yeah. I was a Joe Frazier guy. You were either one or the other. I was a Joe guy. I know. I know. Yeah. That's a surprise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anything, from, anything from Kate Beckinsale before we shut it down? Nothing from Kate this week. A couple other things that we didn't get to. The Flyers uh, made a move. They acquired center Kevin Hayes from Winnipeg in exchange for a fifth-round draft pick. They still have to sign him, however. And the Toronto Blue Jays today, in the 32nd round, get that, 32nd, they drafted Braden Halliday, which is, of course, Roy's kid. Uh, and number 32 is the number that uh, Roy wore with the Blue Jays. So, they drafted Braden Halliday, his son, but he's actually going to go to Penn State. But still a very nice move by the Blue Jays. Yeah, he, he is a Penn State commit. And do you know, Chet, uh, since you mentioned that, do you know that the Toronto Blue Jays have the first ever pair of sons of Hall of Famers on their roster? Hmm. No, I did not know that. Vlad Guerrero's son, Vlad Jr., and Craig Biggio's son, and I want to uh, yeah. say his name is Braden or Brandon, Biggio. Yeah, are so hit both, home run. On, both on the big league roster, both have now hit big league home runs, and dads have been there, Hall of Fame dads have been there to see both of them. Uh, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Wrap it up, Bill. All right. That's, we've reached the top of the hour, so let's thank our special guests tonight, Ed Barkowitz, Tony Paris, and Fred Hugo. Our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Raz Room and Dave Lavoie of Allstate Insurance in Westchester for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chechesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio not next Wednesday, but the following Wednesday, June 19th at 7 p.m. You can listen to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com slash Radio. Or you can find our podcasts on iTunes, TuneIn, and Spotify. High hopes, 
Philadelphia sports fans.